Welcome in. It's Drop the Mic. I'm Mike Welch. Episode number six. Right after Monday Night Football as the Chiefs beat the Chargers in Mexico City. We'll get to all the takes from this as Dirty Dan Sorensen wins it in the end with the, uh, with the interception. Phillip Rivers, four interceptions. Are you kidding me with this guy? Four interceptions. Yeah, I got an idea. We're going to go up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Terrible defense when it comes to stopping the run. We know that. They force some turnovers. They get really good pass rush. But when it comes to stopping the run, the Chiefs can't do anything. But in come the San Diego Chargers. I'm going to call them San Diego forever. I don't care where they are. Hell, move them to Mexico City. Awesome atmosphere. Awesome atmosphere. But when you're coming in as the Chargers, you know you're going against the Chiefs' rushing defense. And you're like, hey, I got an idea. Let's have Phillip Rivers run the ball or throw the ball 52 times. Why would anyone think that was a good idea? Why is anyone looking at the game plan of the Chargers and going, oh, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. But there's a reason they put up as many yards as they did and came away with as few points as they did in the first half. It's because their play calling was atrocious. At first and goal, three straight passes, and then they kicked a field goal. Well, no shit, guys. <laughs> so the Chiefs get the win, and the Chiefs didn't look great. They won an ugly game. You have to give the Chiefs a lot of credit for that. That's what championship teams do. I've, I've called the Chiefs a Super Bowl contender this whole time. I know I've never wavered on that. I know it's the NFL, so week to week we're supposed to have super hot takes and be like, nah, this week they're terrible. Well, last week they were great. Next week they might be great again. Now, I stay a little more even keel than that. I'm not even keel as a person. I'm just even keel when it comes to my NFL takes. So the Chiefs I've always looked at as a Super Bowl contender. They've had a lot of injuries. Some more this week, uh, tonight, Tyreek Hill, Damian Williams. Uh, they had some issues in the injury department, but eventually I think they're going to be completely healthy. And when that happens, the team's really good, but they can't stop the run. And that's going to be an issue. I mean, what, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler both averaged, what, 4.9 yards per carry tonight. 4.9 yards per carry. They only had 19 carries because Phillip Rivers had to throw the ball 52 times. That's that's the story of the game. Everybody's going to give you all the Philip Rivers through four interceptions. Philip Rivers shouldn't throw the ball 52 times. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 32 times. Patrick Mahomes is better than Philip Rivers. But Philip Rivers threw the ball 20 more times than Patrick Mahomes. It's not hard. It's not hard. But I want to get off more big, big, big picture stuff, right? Not necessarily a game recap. We're going big picture stuff. Let's start with let's start with this. It looks to me in the AFC West like the Raiders and the Chiefs are going to be battling for that top spot for, for this foreseeable future. The Raiders have a really good young team. Like they have a lot of young talent. And they have a lot of draft picks coming up as they move to Las Vegas. The, the Raiders are going to be really good going forward. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They have John Gruden, who, despite making some horrific decisions in the personnel department, Khalil Mack, I feel like that's the only argument I need. That's a horrific decision by every measure, and it's a really, really bad one. But despite that, Got a lot of draft picks, some young, promising players on that team. They're not far away from contending. They're 6-4 and four right now. They're a really good football team. Now, they haven't played a very tough schedule, I understand that. But if you're telling me the future of the AFC West is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Las Vegas Raiders for some kind of battle at the top for the Guild, oh, mm. Pepper needs new shorts, man. That's going to be fun. Chiefs and Raiders, that rivalry is so strong. If that becomes the rivalry of the future, we're talking about an AFC West that could mirror a little bit what the AFC North once was when you had the Steelers and the Ravens battling against against each other for the top. You know, you had the Steelers and the Ravens, like the Bengals would show up every once in a while. You know, fucking Marvin Lewis, who's apparently 
saw today that Marvin Lewis is like a, a big-time head coaching candidate now. Is that because of how crappy the, the Cincinnati Bengals look without him? Because that would make sense. Never a big Marvin Lewis fan, but they were a lot better with him than without him, I can tell you that. Bouncing around a little bit here. Sorry. Getting back on track. <laughs> My bad. If the Raiders and Chiefs are the two teams that are going to be battling for the AFC West for the foreseeable future, little Andy Reid versus John Gruden, Patrick Mahomes versus Derek Carr, but really I think it's all the other talent that the Raiders are bringing in and all the draft picks that they have that make me believe that they could be a pretty perennial contender going forward. If that's the case, get fucking ready, man. Chiefs-Raiders rivalry revamped and battling for the AFC West division. That's how you get people involved. That's how you get the teams involved. You know, you get that the, the Heinz Ward-Ray Lewis days of the AFC North back where you had the Ravens and the Steelers battling it out for the top of the AFC North. If that happens in the West with the Chiefs and the Raiders, <laughs> oh, man. Where's Len Dawson when you need him, right? <laughs> Just that that rivalry is so storied and it's so fun. And that's that's I guess what I always come back to with these uh with these rivalries is I like fun. I want fun rivalries. The Chiefs and the Raiders can create a really fun rivalry. There's a lot of history there, and even though the players don't really know about the history, the fans do. And that by itself makes the atmosphere in those games between the Chiefs and the Raiders even better. And then the players feed off the atmosphere. So even though they might not know about that rivalry and that history, they feed off the atmosphere that the fans know about. And that's that the Raiders fucking suck. We hate the Raiders. That's all that we need to know. <laughs> you have all these historical things, all the fights going back to Lenny Dawson. But in the end, we only need, all we need to know is the Raiders suck. Fuck the Raiders. So I'm very excited for that potentially going forward. Um, for the Chiefs this year, looking at the team, Mahomes is still running for his life way too often. And I'll tell you this, Chiefs offensive line, let me tell you this. You are very lucky that Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and not Phillip Rivers because Patrick Mahomes is running for his life all the time. And when he gets knocked down, he gets back up and he just looks a little bit slightly annoyed, right? He's not yelling at anybody. He's not freaking out. He's not. Philip Rivers, who has one guy come free on a blitz and acts like his entire offensive line is out to get him. He's that guy. You know that guy at the office who's like, everyone's out to get me. Everybody's trying to crush me down. That's Philip Rivers all the time. And he's been doing this for, what, since 2003? He's been the same guy. Every time he gets sacked, he looks at an offensive line with his indignant, look, how'd you miss that block? Did you not see him? Do you just want me to die? That's Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers can't believe that someone misses a block. At least if you're the Chiefs, if you're that offensive line, which, by the way, sucks right now, you should thank your lucky stars. You have Patrick Mahomes, where when you suck, which you have all year, he just gives you a little annoyed look. Like, well, it sucks to get my ass kicked all the time and get my head handed to me. I wish I had an offensive line that would maybe block every once in a while, but hey, them's the breaks. You gotta do better. And Eric Fisher's back. There's just, there's no excuse for how bad the Chiefs' offensive line is at times. And when they when they give him time, in those moments where we see Patrick Mahomes actually have a little bit of a chance to stand in the pocket, get a little comfortable, heaven forbid, see the field. Great things happen. Connecting with Travis Kelsey big time tonight. Tyreek Hill went down. Damian Williams went down. A little bit of a looking for your your next big weapon. And well, I think. 
Kelsey had seven receptions. McCoy had four. Other than that, nobody else had more than two. Watkins and Harmon had two. So Travis Kelsey ended up becoming the guy. And when Mahomes had time, he found Kelsey, got him the ball, made some really nice plays. I mean, <laughs> Travis Kelsey's been the best tight end in the NFL for the last five years, at least the last four years. I mean, I think I saw the stat on ESPN tonight. Once he eclipses 1,000 yards this season, Travis Kelsey will be the first tight end in the history of the NFL to have a 1,000-yard season four years in a row. He's awesome, right? He's awesome. I mean, they're, they're, say what you want about Travis Kelsey and some of the flags. That, I, he doesn't get them the way he used to. You know, there, there used to be a lot more personal fouls for Travis. What he brings to the table as a competitor, as a talent, it far outweighs any other tight end in the NFL, and I'll go to my grave saying that. You want to come after me on that? That's fine. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. And, and the only reason he might not have some of the numbers that other guys do at certain times is because the Chiefs have so many weapons. But we saw what happened tonight. The Chiefs lost some weapons. It's hard when, you, when that happens. And this is a gutty win for the Chiefs. It's hard when Tyreek Hill goes down early in the game with a hamstring, and, you have to, and, and Damian Williams goes down. It's that's a tough situation. Chiefs had to revamp everything they were doing on offense, and it's not that guys like Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman and Sammy Watkins can't step up, but you know you didn't game plan to not have Williams or Hill. So what do you do? You lean on the Pro Bowl tight end, the All Pro Travis Kelsey. That's what you do. That's what you should do. And gutting out that kind of win that tells me that's a championship football team because you're not always going to win pretty. I mean, shit. The the, the Patriots. They won by a touchdown this week against the Eagles. I look at the Chargers and the Eagles as a very similar situation, right? They both have quarterbacks who at times are overrated, Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers. They have teams that look like they should have enough talent to compete, yet for some reason they can't stop finding ways to lose. And both the Patriots and the Chiefs had scares. Tom Brady's frustrated with the offense after this game. We'll get to a little bit more about the Patriots here. After we get to all the Chiefs stuff, we'll get to the Patriots. Relax. Relax. You'll get your you'll get your drop the mic Patriots hate signed seal delivered like you do every single week on this podcast. That is my guarantee to you. Hate the Patriots, hate Tom Brady, hate Bill Belichick. Yeah, hate's a strong word. That's why I use it. Because that's how I feel. Can't stand them. It's envy. That's what it is. It's envy. I'm very envious of all of them. I'm a small person. I'm, I'm, I'm strong enough to admit that I'm a small human being, a petty human being. And when the Patriots lose, it gives me, it gives me a lot of happiness. As long as you're aware of who you are and you've made peace with it, you're going to be fine in life. I, I want to get to um, one more thing on the Chiefs before we get into some Chargers things here. Because there are some Charger things to get to. LaShawn McCoy is the worst great player I've ever seen. Maybe in the history of the NFL, LaShawn McCoy is the worst great player. And what I mean by that is he does things that are so jaw-dropping that I'm just like, wow. I mean, even tonight, the guy averaged over four yards a carry. He looks great. He looks young. He's shifting around. But he <laughs> he can't hang on to the ball, man. Reminds me of the program. Remember that movie, The Program with James Conn? I think it was Omar Epps, that he had the running back that he had carry the football around campus and guys were trying to take it from him and take it back to the coach to get him in trouble because he couldn't stop fumbling the damn football because it doesn't matter 
how talented you are. You can run like the wind. You can juke people out of their shoes. You can be the strongest Christian Okoye-looking motherfucker since all time, since Earl Campbell. Doesn't mean anything if you can't hang on to the football. That's Is that the first mf we dropped on Drop the Mic? I think it is. That's the first mf we dropped. I stand behind it. I think it was well-placed. But it doesn't matter how great you are if you can't hang on to the football. And LaShawn McCoy falls in that category. A great running back. An all-time running back. The guys have over 11,000 career rushing yards. It doesn't mean anything if you can't hang on to the football, Shady. Come on. So that's the thing. Like, Shady McCoy's been around for a long time. How has he not figured this out yet? Ball security matters, bro. Ball security is everything. Nothing else you do really matters to anybody if you don't have ball security. We're talking about a guy that had, what, over 10 touches at least, right? 11 touches tonight for, for Shady McCoy. He should have more than that, but he doesn't because he can't hang on to the effing football. He's the worst great player I've ever seen. Now I call Andy Reid the dumbest genius of all time. Guy's clearly a genius, just like, but he makes, makes boneheaded decisions sometimes and, and, and does things that are so unfathomable. That it makes you like, what? Same thing with LaShawn McCoy. I watched LaShawn McCoy. He's great. He's a great player. He's undeniably great. And then he just kills you with these fumbles, man. Was that one that like ricocheted back into his hands? How lucky was that for Shady? Because that should have been a fumble lost. Ugh. They had another, they had another, uh, another one on the sideline. They was Yeldon, right? The backup tight end. He's the one coughed it up on the sideline. Illegal hands to the face by, I think, Ingram. Got that thing called back. That was... Yeah, a couple of lucky breaks for the Chiefs. But you know what? That's what happens when you're a championship team. You get a couple of lucky breaks. And that's that's okay. You can't be mad that you got a couple of lucky breaks, man. That's just the way the world works. Chiefs got a couple of ones, a couple of ones tonight. Chargers got some too, didn't capitalize. Point is, Chiefs get the victory. Seven and four. They're right on track. They got some things you need to get better. The offensive line needs to Like the only way it could be worse is what happened in 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 Washington happened. You see what happened to the Redskins this week? Redskins quarterback, the kid from Ohio State, is going to drive me nuts, but I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, I'll look it up here in a second. But he gathers the entire uh, the entire offensive line around, and he gets these guys there. He's like, help me. Tell me what you want me to do. Like, what can I do? It's Dwayne Haskins, the kid from Ohio State. Dwayne gets these guys and says, what do I have to do to help you? And they laughed at him. That's the only way this situation for the offensive line could be worse in Kansas City is if they actually sat down and had Patrick Mahomes say, what can I do to help you? And they laughed at him like they did to Dwayne Haskins. The only this, the only offensive line in the NFL more dysfunctional than the one in Kansas City is in Washington, D.C. And that's fucking pathetic. Moving on from the offensive line in Kansas City, because I don't want to sit here and curse all night and get angry. Don't want to do it. Not going to do it. Right. I want to do it a little bit, but I'm not going to do it. I said I don't want to do it. I'm like, ah, maybe a little. Maybe I do a little. Um, we got to get on to the things that the San Diego Chargers did. I'm going to keep calling them the San Diego Chargers. They, no one, I live in Los Angeles. I live in West Hollywood. Nobody here knows the Chargers are here. That's why I 100% believe the report that came out that said the Chargers were potentially going to move to London. They should. I know you'd have to shift divisions. I know it would change a lot of things. It'd be a huge pain in the ass, but... The Los Angeles Chargers is a, it's a failed experiment. It's a stupid experiment that never should have happened in the first place. And if everyone was smart, they moved them back to San Diego. But on to the Chargers. 
Philip Rivers. I'm gonna miss Philip Rivers when he's gone. I really am. Like, I know I, I make fun of Philip, and he's like, "Oh, come on, guys." He he takes it personally when he gets sacked, as if this offensive line hates him. But that's so fun. It's so fun to watch Philip Rivers melt down all the time and act like the whole world's against him. Looking at the referees, like, why do you hate me? It's, it's phenomenal television, man. Philip Rivers is phenomenal television. And one day, we're not going to have Philip Rivers anymore. And while that might make Chargers fans happy, it makes me very sad because I like watching Philip Rivers do Philip Rivers things. How could you let me get sacked, left tackle? What's wrong with you? He's always crying. <laughs> Philip Rivers, man. I'm going to miss him a lot. I mean, the guy's, what, he's 37 years old now, maybe 38, somewhere in that area. So he doesn't have that much long, that much time left unless, you know, you go by the Tom Brady metric, in which case he'll be playing for the next decade. But Philip Rivers doesn't have that much time left. We should cherish him while we got him, man. Cherish those reactions. Those reactions. God, they're good. And the thing is, Philip Rivers, it's interesting. He threw four picks tonight. I don't put that on Philip Rivers. I put that on the offensive coordinator that saw that he had the Chiefs defense in front of him and said, hey, Philip, let's throw the ball 52 times. Why? Why? You're Philip Rivers. Why are you throwing the ball 52 times? Who gives? Just to give you a quick breakdown. I mean, I don't do a lot of stats, but here you go. Philip Rivers threw the ball 52 times. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, the only two players to get carries for the for the Chargers tonight. 19 carries total. 14 for Melvin, 5 for Austin. So 52 to 19. Pass to run ratio. Against the Chiefs defense that's really, really struggling to stop the run. Every team that's beat them has run the ball right down their throats. We're going to put that on Phillip Rivers? Hey, Philip, go out and throw 52 times against a team that we should be running on all the time. All right. Hey, if they bench Philip Rivers, go get another quarterback, whatever. Give Philip a chance to go to another team. I want to see it. I just want to see it. I want more Philip Rivers. What can I say? I like I like the entertainment value he brings to the game. All right, we got some other NFL things to get to, but one thing real quick on the Chargers. It's not really about the Chargers. It's more of a, a, a an overall discussion about the on-the-mic portion of Monday Night Football. Melvin Ingram was on the mic, and just like 95% of the time when someone's on the mic, it's just, it's disappointing. I mean, the only thing I've actually enjoyed from that segment on Monday Night Football so far is the time that Sam Darnold, the Jets quarterback, said he was seeing ghosts. The Casper was in the backfield with him, and he couldn't figure out what was going on. He was terrified of the pass rush. God, Sam Darnold's terrible, dude. He is a terrible quarterback. I, and I know, always oh, on the Jets. Put him on the Patriots. That'd be the only time he'd be close to average, but he'd still be below average. In most places, he would be terrible. But yeah, that's the only time all season I've heard anything on the mic all that interesting. Like Melvin Ingram was talking a lot, but he was just talking a lot of noise, man. He was talking a lot of generic trash talk, nothing too interesting. Yeah, talking to Shady McCoy, Travis Kelsey. I don't know. I think the on the mic segment of Monday Night Football is a uh, either get more entertaining players or start feeding them lines or something, man. Because I, I just oh, is this something I noticed while I was watching the game tonight that I just felt like this on the mic segment feels forced, it feels lame, and it feels like something that's never really going to catch on the way the NFL and ESPN really think it could. Also, after the Sam Darnold thing, 
when everybody, myself included, became aware of the fact, because I didn't know, and I've covered you know NFL football, I've covered college football, I've covered a lot of mic'd up situations, but I've never really been like on the inside of one. So I didn't know that the NFL has to approve each thing that's said. So like we didn't know that, I guess the, the layman, uh, and, and I throw me into that category, right? Didn't know that like when Sam Darnold said, oh, the ghost, I'm seeing ghosts. The NFL got upset about that. They're like, no, that shouldn't have gotten through. That shouldn't have been shown. So they've been filtering out the best stuff because it makes the players look bad. 90% of the good stuff you're going to get from a mic segment is stuff that makes the players look bad. So if you just get rid of that, that's not fun. I know it's like, oh, we got to protect their feelings. Fuck their feelings. They got to care about Melvin Ingram's feelings. They got to care about Sam Darnold's feelings. Come on. You know how much money Sam Darnold makes to suck as bad as he does? I'm not going to look it up. But I know it's a lot. You know why I'm not going to look it up? Because it would be very painful for me to see how much more money Sam Darnold makes than a lot of other people that I think are probably better quarterbacks than him, but they didn't go to USC. Moving on to the Patriots. <laughs> the Patriots are the Avengers, man. They are the Avengers because it's the same script every year. We think we're going to have a new movie, right? We think we're going to see a different movie. Oh, man. Every Avengers movie is the same. All right? Let's start with that. It's the same thing. I know, but wait a minute. They had to get the stones in this one and the other one. It was like Endgame. And then this guy died, but he didn't. Uh. Here's the deal. Avengers. They all show up. One guy's like hanging out and they're like, oh, I'm just hanging out. Life's going good for me. Then boom, something catastrophic happens. And he's like, here we go again. Then he's got to get the team together, right? You get everybody together. They're like going to go to each person. Be like, hey, come on. There's danger. Danger's coming. Guy's trying to destroy the world, universe, whatever it happens to be that time. He's like, come on. We got to go save it. And then there's always that one guy that's like, no. It was too traumatizing last time. You know what happened. I can't go through that again. And then he's going to come back like 10 minutes later. Like they get into a really, the group that's already been assembled gets into this like really dire situation where it looks like they're all going to die. And then the brooding guy who wasn't going to be part of things comes from out of nowhere because he knows he has to. He got to be there for the team. He comes in, he saves the day. He joins the team. They go off, they fight the, the big Thanos or whoever it happens to be that time. And then when they're fighting him, it looks like, oh, well, they're just never going to win this one. It looks like this is it for the Avengers, kids. They're, they're numbered in this one. This is the Patriots season every year, by the way, guys. If you're following the correlation here. It's like, oh, this is it. This is going to be the one. They're out. They're screwed. It's finished. They've met their match. Then suddenly... Some guy, call it a white wide receiver no one's ever heard of, some guy that you haven't seen since the second act comes in from out of nowhere and saves the day. And suddenly the tide turns. It's like, oh, now we got him. Boom. And then the credits play with some classic rock and roll. Everybody leaves the theater mostly happy. That's the Patriots. Every year they start off hot. You're like, oh, well, hold on. Still, let's, let's rewind just a little bit. Every year for the Patriots, they have this pre preseason situation. Preseason is like, oh, 
We don't know if they can do it again this year. Going to be a little tough to see the Patriots do it. Look at all these other teams. All these other teams have a lot of good talent, a lot of younger talent than the Patriots have. Patriots might be getting a little bit too old. Maybe Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are over the hill. Huh. Season starts. Clearly, all of those things were wrong, and the Patriots are dominant. Of course, right? Dominant team. And then there's the reports that come out. The bullshit reports. Like Adam Schefter on Monday Night Football. I think it was when the Patriots played the Jets and Sam Donald saw ghosts. Remember right before that game, there was a report that Tom Brady was actually positioning himself to leave the Patriots after this year. Maybe not necessarily football, but the Patriots. It's a contrived report to try to generate interest for a Monday Night Football game between the Jets and the Patriots that not a lot of people cared about because we all knew it was going to happen. The Patriots were going to stomp out the Jets, which is exactly what happened. So... Those reports start to come out. We get the fake drama buildup. You know, it's like, oh, maybe they might, maybe they might not win this one. Just like the Avengers, man. Oh, then maybe they won't get this one. Maybe this is the time everybody gets got. The universe gets destroyed. And then the season goes on. And somewhere around the midpoint, they lose a game they shouldn't, just like they did this year. I don't know if they say they shouldn't lose. They lost the, the Ravens are a good football team. They're a great football team. We'll get to more on Lamar Jackson here in a bit. Holy crap, that guy, right? But then we start to wonder, are they really that good? Is Tom Brady about over? Maybe Tom Brady should hang it up after this year. It looks like he just can't throw the ball the way that he used to. <laughs> and then they have this middling portion of the season where everybody starts to question them. And then about sometime late November, early December, we remember that the Patriots are the Patriots. They steamroll their way into the playoffs and then they win the Super Bowl. And they come, and then there's always that moment in the playoffs where you think they're got him. Somebody's got him. Or in the Super Bowl, Atlanta Falcons, where you think, oh, they got him. This is it. It's over. It's over. It's done. Or like last year with the Kansas City Chiefs going into overtime. Oh, here it is. Patriots are done. Chiefs have a really good team. They got Patrick Mahomes. They're banging on all cylinders. This is sweet. Coin toss. Patriots win the coin toss. Patriots win the game. Going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, they're up against the Falcons. Looks like the Falcons are really good. Got a 28-3 lead. This is it. This is the time the Patriots are going to lose. Boom, they come back. They win. Uh, better luck next time, Atlanta. <laughs> they won this week. Cool. <laughs> what a waste of talent that, that team is, man. That, that's a joke. The point is, the Patriots are the Avengers. Every year we act like the script's going to be different. Every year we pretend that there's some kind of real suspense. And every year we watch the same damn movie. <sighs> Who's Ant-Man? Edelman. Edelman's Ant-Man. Love you, Paul Rudd. You're the best, man. You're the best. Love that Netflix show, by the way. Watch the whole thing. Thought it was great. Living with yourself? Amazing. God, if, you, if you like Paul Rudd and the fact that he's been able to perfect that cool guy character along with the kind of sad sack character that he plays really well always, it, it, you watch him play those two characters against each other. It's phenomenal television. Back to the sports. I'm just saying. It's phenomenal television. Lamar Jackson. This is actually an important take. It's an important take that I think people need to hear. Because I hear people say that Lamar Jackson is changing the quarterback position in football. Lamar Jackson's not changing the quarterback position in football because nobody else can be Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's changing the way that we watch football or that we understand football. 
His rushing and passing ability are so far beyond anything we've seen with that kind of combination that I don't think there's any way we can compare Lamar Jackson to somebody or say, oh, that's the new quarterback of the NFL. He has that Mike Vick once-in-a-generation kind of talent. And the thing is, he's better than Vick was. He is. Vick struggled with accuracy consistently. Lamar Jackson, he might have his moments, but hey, so does Tom Brady. Some of the worst interceptions I've seen in the Super Bowl were by Tom Brady in games that he won. Lamar Jackson early on in the game where they crushed Houston 41-7. to Lamar Jackson had some struggles with accuracy early on in the game. Got it figured out and then demolished Houston. Like, Lamar Jackson is unlike anything we've ever seen. So to say that he's changing how we see the quarterback position, I really don't believe that's the case. I think it's fun to make grandiose statements like that. I think it's fun to point out, hey, we've never seen a guy like this. We think he's a really good football player. Absolutely. But I don't think we can say he's changing the game because I don't think anybody can do what he does. Like Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, those guys are changing the way we see the game because I think we can find other quarterbacks who might not be as good as Watson or as good as Mahomes, but at least in that kind of fashion where they have that mobility along with their arm strength and their pocket presence and the accuracy and everything else they bring to the table – they still have those attributes. With Lamar Jackson's attributes, his ability to run, man, I just, I've never seen anything like it. Somebody who can run like that and then throw like that? I've never seen anything like it, man. It's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Lamar Jackson's changing the way I see football, not the quarterback position, the way I see football and the way that it can be played. But it can only be done with Lamar, man. I remember when I was covering Nebraska and he came to visit. He'd gone viral for that, like, George Jefferson walk into the end zone in high school. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. It was a really popular vine. My guess is you saw it back in, like, 2013 or 14 or whenever it came out, and you just forgot about it and forgot that it was Lamar Jackson. But, yeah, I'm sure you saw it. It was a high school player, and that was Lamar Jackson. He's now doing it in the NFL and crushing everybody. Speaking of Nebraska... We can get to that, right? We move on from the yeah. We move on from the NFL. Speaking of Nebraska, let's get to them. Nebraska loses to Wisconsin, and I have not seen Nebraska fans happier. I mean, it says a lot about how hard this year has been, really, with all the preseason hype and then how the season's gone. It looks like they're going to head to another four and eight record, which is really it's it's disheartening, and it's uh it's a frustration. I'm sure for everybody involved, including Scott Frost, who has players refusing to buy in, which is ridiculous to me. But a lot of people excited about the way that Nebraska lost to Wisconsin. They played a good football game. They just lost to a better team, and that's okay. Um, that's that, they've they've played bad football and lost to worse teams than they are, which is which is when you when it hate when you hate it, you know, when it, when it crushes you. But you know, I was thinking about this last week, even before the Wisconsin game, and I tweeted about it at, at the Mike Welch. If you want to follow me on Twitter. Bo Pelini, I covered Bo Pelini for, uh, well, I, I got to Lincoln in 2013. I left after the 2015 season. I left in spring of 2016. Um, Bo Pelini was one of the more underappreciated coaches in college football, I thought. And that's not about Nebraska fans. I think that was by college football as a whole. He was in a situation where his recruiting, people thought his ability and his amenities to recruit top talent was bigger than it was. And he was able to take these teams and elevate them to nine or ten wins every single year for seven years. 
While I understand moving on from Bo Pelini because you're saying, hey, we don't want to be there. We want to be higher than that. So we're willing to give up the 9 and 10 win seasons to try to go win a national championship. I understand that. More power to you. But I do like looking back at that Pelini era because I think he wasn't appreciated as, as appreciated as he should be because the way that Nebraska transitioned going from the Big 12 to the Big 10, changing everything, recruiting pipelines, getting destroyed, which is what happens when you change conferences, man. It's a huge transition. I think it's a transition that every school that changed conferences didn't quite understand the, uh, the, the, the level of change they were going to have to go through because it worked out well for some schools right away. It worked out better for some than others. But there have been ups and downs, I think, for every team that's changed the conference. I can't think of one football team that's changed conferences that hasn't had some level of ups and downs. And that's purely because when you change conference, you change your entire recruiting pipeline. You have to create entirely new relationships. Bo Pelini had to navigate Nebraska through that, and I thought he did it very well. Maybe he could have done better when dealing with referees. I think that's fair. That's a, that's a fair statement. And I think Bo would probably agree with that. But from an overall perspective, Bo Pelini was an underappreciated guy. That's just my Nebraska thought for the week. One more thing before we get out of here, here on Drop the Mic. Dave Chappelle talked to the Lakers. See that? The Lakers brought in Dave Chappelle as part of this uh, Genius Talks series from Lakers GM Rob Palinka. And uh, Frank Vogel, the coach, was like, oh, this guy's great. We love him. Dave Chappelle might have saved comedy, guys. Sticks and Stones, the Netflix special, was one of the more offensive Netflix specials out there. If you remember, it was the thing that got 0% rating on, uh, or an 8% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the audience gave it a 98% rating because the audience is awesome and critics are garbage. And then he goes and talks to the Lakers. I see a picture of him with LeBron James. I'm like, you know, LeBron James is about as, 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 as social justice warrior as it gets in sports, right? And even he was like, I just Dave Chappelle. I need, to, I need to take a picture with Dave Chappelle. Is this Dave Chappelle? Dave might have saved comedy, man. He might have done it. Speaking of comedy, I got a show at the Comedy Store. It starts at 7 p.m. Um, comedy Store on Sunset, the world-famous Comedy Store in West Hollywood. It's December 6th. It's a Friday night at 7 p.m. in the original room. If you want the link, it's right down there in the section, in the, the, the description description section of this video. Yes, I am. Uh, this is my seventh YouTube video ever, so I am a pro. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining me, guys. It was a lot of fun, as it always is. I'm Mike Welch. This has been Drop the Mic. Have a great night. <laughs>